passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Rewind the dynamite from the post-wrestling sight. AEW, lighting up the fuse. Sit back and enjoy the bubbly. As we hear from John and Waiting. Where we're going, we don't need roads. And if the bug stops here, this thing might blow. Everything you hear, opinions of the show. And if you don't like it, go to the forums and let them know. Hello, welcome to Rewind a Dynamite. That's the show we're talking about tonight. I am John Bollock along with Wei Ting. Hello, Wei. Hey, John. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Doing fantastic. Yeah, I don't know if I, I don't know if I buy that one today. You don't? Yeah. What makes you say that? Um, I, I don't know. Just the way you delivered it. It felt like kind of like low energy. Um, like you didn't really mean it. So what are you, what are you hiding? What do you, um, how was your day really? Talk about it. Uh, it was really busy. It was really busy. There's a lot going on. Okay. That, that's, that's about it. It's, uh, it's just another day. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Did you get out today? Did you experience the city? A little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, did some, uh, yard work actually. <laughs> so nice. I pulled a lot of weeds. Um, so I was busy with that. Okay. Well, congrats on that. Uh, thanks. That chore is satisfying. Yeah. That's great. You can go to sleep tonight and know that no weeds to deal with tomorrow. Though they yeah. always come back. They do. Yeah. As do we. We never go away. We always come back. And tonight we are going to be going over dynamite. And once we are done, we are going to flip on over to the post wrestling cafe and we will go through dark side of the ring, the tragic fall of Adrian Adonis episode that aired on Tuesday night. So look out for that. If you are a post wrestling cafe member, we will be going there in about an hour or so. As soon as we complete one show and jump on to the next, because we are out of our minds. So that will be all coming up and we have some news to discuss, but coming up this weekend, everyone, it is the start of our G1 coverage at postwrestlingcafe.com, we are going to have shows coming out Saturday with Bruce Lord and Karen Peterson covering the opening night of the tournament. And then on Sunday, Wei and I will go through night number two. Now, New Japan World is offering both of these weekend's events for free. So you can uh, you can check out our G1 coverage, and we will be covering all of the shows through the middle of August when this tournament wraps up. So go to postwrestlingcafe.com, video.postwrestling.com, 
Many bonus shows up there already this week with Volume 9 of Talk. It's the greatest anthology in podcast history. Way and I talking. I'm hoping someone just takes all of these shows one day and puts them as one one lengthy file, and it will be our lives extended. I'm not going to write a book. This is it. This is the book on tape. Mm. Hmm. Um, maybe somebody will, will end up doing that, but thank you for everybody who listened to it. I actually get way more feedback to talk than like most of our other podcasts. What are you saying? For some reason. The show that has the least prep gets the most feedback. Yeah. Yeah. Compared to like rewind away, for instance, I hear way more people like talk about listening to talk and how much they, they've enjoyed it. So maybe I, I don't know. Just listen, a- listen, folks out there, talk to me because. I'm I'm going nuts trying to figure out how my life will revolve around finding time to watch an AWA pay-per-view from 5,000 years ago that was, for whatever reason, three and a half hours. That's how long pay-per-views tend to be. You're already done, though. I'm sure you've watched it maybe twice by now, had a rewatch oh, in. I mean, you know me, John. All right. On that note, let us get into anything else you want to mention, Way. None, none at all. Nothing, not not a thing at all. No, I'll, I'll throw in one more. Uh, myself and Brandon Thurston, we're live on Thursday, 3 p.m. Eastern time. We're going to be joined by Stephanie Chase, and we're going to be chatting about all the latest news, uh, an article she just wrote about uh, the sort of representation and treatment of a lot of women in the wrestling media space. So I'm looking forward to having Stephanie on the show, and you can check that out on the WrestleNomics and post-wrestling feeds. Uh, let's get into the news We're we're going to condense the news a bit. I'm going to save all the ratings notes for when Brandon and I talk on Thursday, but wanted to talk about the passing of Mike Halleck, who spent most of his career uh, wrestling in, in Europe for Otto Wands' Catch Wrestling Association, but did have a brief but very memorable run as Mantar in the WWF. One of the characters that when the WWE would put out all of it, its retrospective pieces on the company uh, falling on bad times and poor creative. His B-roll was front and center of he was half beast, half man. And you see, he wasn't centaur. He was mantar. And that was the character. And uh, this is the better look for him because he would actually come out with like the like he would be walking out with the like beast costume that he was under was even paired with Jim Cornette uh, for a cup of coffee. In my memory, he was in the company a lot longer than he ended up being. He was like in and out in six months, but I still think Mantar is a character that does bring, bring about not, not so great memories. I'm sure this is not the character of this man's uh, the six months that his career uh, might be remembered for because, you know, he was a, you know, a solid heel presence uh, for catch. And that's where he started his career in 91 and ended up wrestling there primarily all decade long catch ran until the end of 99. And outside of that stint in, in WWF, like that was pretty much his role. And some people might forget he did have a very, very brief role with the truth commission in the WWF where they were putting this group together in the USWA and then bringing them into the WWF. You had Jackal, Don Callis, leading the group that included uh, Kurgan, who got the most legs out of his run, Recon, who would later be Bull Buchanan, Sniper, who was a Luke Poirier and worked in catch with uh, with Halleck. And then Halleck, um, he had his own role. I think his name was, he, he was Tank, and he was there very, very 
very briefly. Uh, but that was uh, another character he had in the uh, WWF. And his career wound down in the 2000s. He would just do the odd match here or there. And the last match in his career was in April of 2019 as a surprise member for the Clusterfuck Battle Royal at Joey Janela's Spring Break 3. So, wow. um, yes, this was in uh, New York City a few years ago. So it feels like a fitting place to um, see Vantar, I guess. I mean, if, if, if you're going to uh, uh, finish off your career in one type of match, I mean, that's, that's a hell of a one for to be right at the top of your cage match profile. So um, no cause of death. He was only 55 years of age, but uh, yes, rest in peace to uh, Mike Halleck. Uh, and we have a story on the website. If you want to go check that out. Now I said, we will go over the ratings with Brandon. I did want to just touch on the collision number because it's probably the most interesting for people. Although I would say the most newsworthy one was actually SmackDown on, uh, on Friday, but we already talked about that on raw collision with punk versus Joe did 580,000 viewers and a 0.21 in the demo. So in particular in the demo, this was a much better showing than the week prior in Halifax. So the results are in and Regina is way more popular than Hamilton. If we're ranking cities for AEW audiences, I suppose. Yeah. And in general. Yes. Okay. Sure. This was a referendum by Canadians through, uh, well, this is actually Americans voting. So, Fifth on cable for for the day, which was led by the the UFC prelims, which aired on ABC and on ESPN, as well as ESPN Plus. So their viewership for Collision was up 28%. And in the 18 to 49 demo, they were up 62% from the week prior. And the big jump, we we talked about how uh, shockingly low the male 18 to 34 number was last week, uh, which was 11,000. It was up to 65,000 this week. So um Young men, they decided, you know what? We're not going out Saturday night. We're staying home for, uh, cause Saturday night's all right for fighting on my television set. So, um, actually 18 to 34, the demo overall grew 179% this week. So this was an increasingly, these were some low numbers. And sometimes when you see these crazy, uh, increases, it's, it's not because this week was just, uh, some mind blowing number. It's just, the last week was very, very low. So overall, I, I think you would take this as a, you know, the, the sky is not falling, but I would also not look at this number as, boy, we're, we're really out of the woods now. I mean, this is, this is a fine number. I would say if, if you're doing a 0.21 every week, I think you'd be moderately happy with that. Like that is a sizable enough increase over what the movies had been doing in that slot, but it's also not knocking them dead either. So it's, you know, a top five finish, I think it's what you would be happy with, given what we're seeing collision is that it's sort of, I would say, at the moment in between Dynamite and, and Rampage. And on bad weeks, it, it might be very close to Rampage. Yeah, yeah. Um, You know, this was a, a, a really big shot for a non-debuting week. Um, And I do have maybe a little bit of like... um concern that this is sort of like the top end of what you might expect for a collision at this point but it's also way too early to tell. do you think this saturday does better or or worse than this number they they won't have yeah. as big a ufc to contend with like this this fight night card on saturday about the ufc it is one of the weakest cards they have ever put on mm. personally i don't necessarily have much much more interest in the owen hart finals as i do samoa joe and cm punk but i'm also not everybody mm -hmm. you know like how interested are people in these finals to the owen hart tournament is there enough buzz generated from that ftr 
bullet club gold match for that people to, to care. Um, but I'm, I'm guessing at best it does something similar, but it, you know, maybe it tells you a whole lot about what the UFC competition meant for last week. All right. Well, we will look ahead to uh, this Saturday and we'll talk more ratings notes with uh, Brandon Thurston and go over all of the latest uh, business news uh, with him. One other item. It is the announcement of Tyson Fury and Francis Ngannou for Saturday, October the 28th, Saudi Arabia. They, they pooled together their resources and they were able to bring this fight. I mean, they could be in debt for years by financing this fight, but they, they managed to do it one week before WWE will go back there for their, their next event. So we will have back to back events in Saudi Arabia. And it's been very interesting to see the reactions to this fight. We know that this had been a fight that had been rumored and uh, sort of moving towards this direction. It's still unclear if this is, this is going to be an exhibition fight or if this will, in fact, count towards their records. It sounds as though Fury's um, WBC heavyweight title will not be at stake. So it's interesting. You have a lot of boxing fans who are sort of looking at this as they wanted to see Tyson Fury uh, defending his, his title against like Alexander uh, Usyk or t- some other major heavyweight. And they're somewhat looking at this as, well, this is a guy that has never boxed before that isn't even in the UFC anymore. And it's taking away from the big Tyson Fury fights that we want to see. And the general tone I've seen from MMA fans is they're really happy to see Nganu, who is going, we, we don't know what the purses are, but they are going to be extraordinary for these two of what they're making. Like even Nganu, like he's not going to make what Fury makes, but it is going to be, um, life-changing money for him and probably for multiple generations of the Nganus. So this is uh, incredible money that he's going to be making. And it's, it's funny as well to see that the, like the Saudi Arabia component, it, it feels like it's much more further in boxing that like, it just, it, this just comes with the territory. Like this is, it's, it's there, but it's hardly um a, a kind of, highly debatable issue or anything like that. And to be quite honest, I think pro pro wrestling is somewhat getting to that place too, where it's fewer and fewer times you're seeing that aspect brought up. But I mean, wait, does this fight mean anything to you? And I mean, because all these fights, like they are designed to grab an audience that is not typically a, a viewer of boxing. Yeah. I'm not, not so much to me. I, I can't really say I'm a fan of either person. Um, you know, even it, 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 when they were having their actual like legitimate matches, <laughs> not to say this isn't, uh, but I, 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 I haven't really been following either person's career. So it's not really marketed towards me. I don't think. Well, this is a, uh, yes, going to be going down October the 28th. It will be, it will be very interesting to see uh, number one, where this is uh broadcast on as well. Like if this ends up being a ESPN plus event, that's very interesting when you have UFC that, is in business with with ESPN uh, as well, so a, a lot of um, a lot of components still to be revealed about this fight and and how big it's it's going to be. I I don't know if this is going to be some giant blockbuster uh, fight. Like it's going to be big. It's going to have attention. How big will it be? Um, uh, it, it remains to be seen. And what the interest level is in seeing Francis Ngannou in a boxing fight in a sport he has never competed in. And we'll probably get a sample of that with, with Nate Diaz next month in, in the same sort of 
uh, equation as a guy who has no pro boxing record uh, going into this world with the hope that his star power from another sport crosses over. So there you have it. All of your news can be found at postwrestling.com. We are going to be getting into Dynamite. And tonight they were at the Tell Center in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. So maybe AEW was thinking, you know what? What a untapped market Saskatchewan is. When when does big time wrestling go to Saskatchewan? We're going to corner the market. I don't know if that was realized between Regina and Saskatoon. WrestleTix uh, this afternoon reporting uh, just over 3,200 tickets distributed for this show, um, which is, uh, I wouldn't say a great number for um, a part of the country that is, I, I don't know how often they'll be going back to Saskatchewan. That would be my prediction. I mean, I suppose like, you know how much the building holds and how much do, do events typically like from the WWE, for instance, if they ever run there, what what do they do? I, I'd have to look up what that, I mean, they're, they're not running, like they're only at, at best doing house shows there. And I'm sure um, I, I'd just be guessing what they did the last time there. Yeah, I mean, hard to know maybe what what the expectations are. You know, are they primarily concerned about having convenient location for them to um, travel to so that they could get a TV show produced? Fifteen thousand seat venue. Oh, okay. Then yeah, I guess it 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 seemed it would be pretty hollow in there with with what they filled. Um, But yeah, um, I I suppose they they might not be going to Saskatoon too often in the future. It's it's a part of the country, too, like not the easiest place to get to as well. I mean, it's Mm -hmm. when you're talking about all your 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 staging and your equipment. It's like if you're going to go to somewhere more remote. um, But were they were they driving through Western Canada anyway? um, Well, I I hope they were not just uh, all arriving here, but I think this was a flight for sure. I meant for the equipment and the TV gear. Um, well, I mean, they, they've routed this in such a way that you would be going from here straight to Calgary afterward. So, yeah. I mean, you have that, that, that booked along the way. I'm just like, if you're going to, you know, if you're going to be going across Western Canada, maybe they thought it, it made sense to make a stop in Saskatchewan. Two stops. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up zero to one grams of net carbs, five to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Well, tonight they made their stop, and we started off the show with Chris Jericho and Commander, who was out with Alex Abrahantis, and they showed highlights of past matches of Commander on AEW. And the match here, we, we saw a, a somersault into a Rana off the top rope by Commander. And it took some time to get the crowd into this. Jericho was doing a lot of crowd work to get them engaged. And in time, the audience like picked up for this. But Jericho misses a lion salt and kicks out of a La Magistral cradle. Commander then drops him off the turnbuckle and does his rope walk into the shooting star. And that's when the crowd really starts to react at some of the high flying of Commander. Jericho goes to the floor, and that's when Commander does the rope walk into the twisting moonsault. Crowd is chanting, and then he follows up going for the Phoenix Splash off the second rope. Uh, this did not hit at all and kind of messed up this near-fall spot. But then Commander came back, came off the turnbuckle. He's caught with a code breaker for a two-count, locks onto Jericho, and tries for a Dragon Rana, which is caught. And Jericho places him in the walls and taps him out in 12 minutes and 50 seconds. So... 
I think Commander, like you can see sometimes, like he's not um, as smooth as as some others, but does a lot of spectacular things that when they hit, they mean a lot to this audience that wanted to see this. Um, but but the match had its highs and lows. I thought. I mean, I thought there were yeah, like maybe a, a few spots that weren't as perfectly clean. Like, but I, I think they were they're really easily forgiven when you consider the amount of difficulty. Like one of them was, you know, him maybe rotating an extra 90 degrees for like a Phoenix splash. And the other one, I don't know, like the other one that was very prominent was maybe the, the, the code breaker that didn't necessarily connect. And I'm not exactly sure who you would blame for that one. Um, certainly he does enough that spectacular that, um, at least for me, you know, I, I'm, I'm not really like critical, um, so much coming out of the match because he, he's just so incredibly impressive. Like that, um, that tight walk shooting star press every time I've seen it, it's just, it kind of shows you like the gap in evolution from something, you know, like the Lion Salt, which maybe for its time was like quite spectacular, but something like this today, it, it just, maybe in 20 years, this will seem commonplace. You know, everybody's doing tightrope block shooting star presses. Um, and just kind of makes you wonder like how high the bar is going to be lifted, you know, in that amount of time. But commander is exactly like cutting edge. Like this is what humans are capable of at this moment. Um, it's funny that the two biggest pops of the night for moves, just strict moves were, I would say the, the rope walk, twisting moonsault and a body slam. Totally. Yeah. Well, I mean, listen, both have a high degree of difficulty in building, you know, in uh, like one was just, you know, incredible physical uh, um, sort of like uh, achievement. And the other is is great psychology, isn't it? So I would say all psychology. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Jericho, uh, just going back to this match, I think Jericho has advanced so far, like so far in his career. Now you almost kind of forget that he made his name being a cruiserweight wrestling other luchadors. And the announcers kind of made mention of this sort of being a throwback to like, you know, WCW Chris Jericho. And I thought it would play sort of like a wonderful little nostalgic exhibition, even like threw in the, the double power bomb in there, which, um, was, was what, what he used to do back then. So. I thought it was fun. You know, I was a little surprised too that Jericho was leading so much into playing a heel here when last week it felt very much like he was sort of like, you know, like uh, teasing a babyface turn. But I guess they're really leading into this Callus thing. Well, Don Callis comes out. His music, I liked it a lot more. Like it, it is a pretty distinct like a theme drone. from everybody else. Um, so he comes out and he notes the rating the two of them pulled last week, which was the the high point in the demo last week. And it shows that the world wants to see us together. And he notes how they were once in a faction together 28 years ago. And Tony Condello licensed the footage to them. And we play this footage from 1995. You could barely hear any of this, but this was a total visual of seeing these guys 28 years ago when Callis has a full head of hair. And Callis remarks at the video that they were a couple of gods. And Jericho points out the fact that I've still got my hair as compared to you. And he remarks how bad news told the two of them to always stick together. And Callus thinks that bad news is smiling in heaven, watching them together now. And he's going to give Jericho time to think about whether he wants to join him, but he knows what bad news would want his answer to be. So really laying it on here for, for Jericho. And I do like the idea of these, like it's a simple story of whether he's going to join or not. And hoping that, the fans will care what the answer is and drawing this out over several weeks so that it's impactful when you get the answer. 
Yeah, I think so. I think it's a perfect use of Jericho and Callus to a Western Canadian audience. Now, this will probably this will extend beyond Western Canada, but this is a great way to maybe start things off. And Jericho and Callus up until this point hadn't interacted in AEW in any sort of significant way, and um, I think this is perfect timing for it. Showing footage like this just kind of really cements the length of uh, friendship that these two have had and both are incredibly charismatic and they're captivating when put together. So I'm enjoying this Jericho story a whole lot more than a lot of his recent ones. And there would be more on this story later in, in the show, but we go to Alex Marvez who is outside of a vehicle that Jack Perry is locked in. And Perry says he, or Marvez says it's time to knock and he knocks on the window and Jack Perry calls this an unsafe working environment. And all of a sudden hook enters the other side of the car so perry is fidgeting with the lock to get out and he gets out of the car and hook comes to get out the other side of the car as jungle boy runs around to re-enter the car and takes the wheel and drives off as hook gets out of the other side right like a maze yeah it's like if hook had just sat there he would have been in a car with jack with jack perry and they would have been but jack wouldn't have come come into the car i guess if he hook was already leave. in he got into the front of the car before hook even got out of the back seat oh so it was a little awkward the uh the timing of this and then hook just looks into the camera and says keep running perry mm-hmm. yeah i'm really not loving this um i think they're gonna have a drag race at the end of this or maybe just like a car entering competition you know, like musical chairs, but with a car. So you can leave musical chairs, but with a car. Yeah. Um, I, I, I principally, I think I'm critical of this because I don't like how much of a 180 they presented Jack Perry as from, you know, his baby face incarnation. I mean, we've never seen hints of cowardice in a Jack Perry at all. And not to say like he needs to display that as a baby face, but not even self-doubt, I, I don't think. You know, we, we've really not seen something that would justify this sort of organic, this sort of change, which f- does not feel organic whatsoever. So um, it's like with the opening promo that we saw Jack Perry cut, Perry cut as a heel. This feels like a guy taking sort of like a heel turn 101 training program. And on a big stage like Dynamite, I really can't help but compare it to the type of quality we were seeing on the rest of the show. And it's really exposing jungle boy, in my opinion. Renee catches up with Don Callis and tonight Callis is going to go out and announce who the fifth member of the BCC team is going to be for blood and guts. And he's going out there alone. And Renee asks, are you worried about Kenny Omega? And he is not worried about that gutless coward who turned his back on the family. And he doesn't expect any problems because Omega will be hiding behind the skirts of the young bucks. Now we go to the latest bro hang between MJF and Adam Cole from this past weekend. And these two are doing shots at a bar and Adam Cole is still not wearing the team's shirt. And he, he states he lost the shirt and this was Adam Cole trying to act drunk. And it was the most comical thing on this show. Does he not drink? Um, if he does, he has never been drunk before because this, this sounded like a man who was trying to act drunk for the first time. Four women walk by. So MJF does the math that that could be two for each of them. But Cole turns this down because he cares about Brit. So MJF approaches the four women on his own. And then Cole says hello to the cameraman. They brought the cameraman to the bar to shoot them hmm. 
having shots, which would have made Cole going for these women a really bad idea. Well, th- yeah, I think that's why Cole said no. And MJF su- suggested that he could make the cameraman leave. So why, why would they have the cameraman here? <laughs> like, why? I don't know. I'm not sure. Cause they like to document the, you know, their, um, show the world their friendship, I guess. Cole says he didn't lose the shirt. He has it and he will wear it providing MJF does what he wants to do. And he whispers in his ear and you don't know what he's whispering. And we cut to these two playing fight forever mm-hmm. and they start playing and MJF explains that this game is so much more fun when you have a friend to play with. And we learn that MJF has never played a multiplayer game before because he never had friends and they stop playing and they have a heart to heart where Cole calls him cool. MJF says, you're cool too. And MJF suggests that they win the tag titles. And then we go to the screen and on the game, they win the tag titles together. And, um, weigh your thoughts. This is our, our, t- I, I will say this. I thought this was campy as hell. Okay. Mm-hmm. I think though, if you look at the bigger picture here, your goal is for you to care about these two as friends so that when inevitably MJF stabs Cole in the back or Cole stabs this guy in the back, I don't think that's like the craziest outcome either that this audience is genuinely sad because to have seen these guys bond. Um, but I can also see a lot of people. That's why I'm trying to look at the, the ultimate payoff to this, but some of this stuff is like, extremely campy well i think camp at least is part of the intent you know like it's it's but i i'll say not, like not for my title program i would say which well, again that, that's sort of been my, that, my complaint for this entire sort of like anytime mjf becomes best friends with somebody it kind of reverts back to you know comedic mjf versus like serious champion mjf i have that concern about whether or not should somebody should be doing this you know while being champion but I thought this was productive and it was productive because you got to see the result in the match afterwards. These segments feel very amateur, like in production, in acting. It has the feel of something yes. you would see on NXT, like, like, you know, like what something like Brooks and Jensen would do at a bar, for instance. Yes. Um, and I think people are a lot more forgiving or would be a lot more forgiving for these two because you know the standard of quality that their match will ultimately produce has produced. We know to take these two seriously, despite maybe th- this sort of like kind of shitty, you know, um, backstage vignette, because you know that they're going to give you something satisfying at the end of it. Um, I, I think it's, it's at least effective in, you know, conveying the story and guiding the audience along about what they should be thinking. Yes, it was stupid. Yes, it was cringeworthy at times, especially with how they forced that video game ad in there. But I thought overall it was engaging and it worked for the end result later on today. Well, I thought I thought the match went I thought the match achieved the goal significantly more than than these vignettes did. But and you I, needed this for the match. Yeah, I'm just saying like the quality of this. I'm not necessarily uh against but they're, the they're they're together, you know, like it's like a package, right? Well, I think there's still a level of just this, yeah, this could be better, more slick is what you're saying. Um, yeah, in, in, in a lot of ways. Right. Orange Cassidy and Darby Allen against Sammy Guevara and Daniel Garcia. This was our first blind eliminator match of the night. So Guevara and Garcia come out separate entrances instead of together. And Darby gets knocked off balance while 
on the top rope. So Garcia is tagging himself in aggressively and we have Garcia and Guevara constantly knocking themselves into one another by mistake. And the idea here is they're, they're going to self-destruct against the team that does have cohesion, cohesion between Cassidy and Darby. Garcia then um, applies the dragon tamer on Cassidy and releases it to stop Darby and is hit with a stun dog followed by a stunner. Guevara's in for the save and then a beach break is hit. Cassidy and Garcia keep trading crucifix pins and both go down from double boots. The crowd's applauding them. And then we get the announcement mid-match that the winners of this tournament will get a tag title shot on collision on July 29th in Hartford with the finals next week in Boston. So now we know what we are ultimately wrestling for mm-hmm. and when. And, and, and of course, it could be against FTR or Bullet Club Gold. At this yes. Point. Yes. Depending on what comes out of this weekend. Guevara misses the shooting star and then a dragon tamer is applied to Cassidy on the floor when Prince Nana comes out and convinces Garcia to use the skateboard. So when he is handed the skateboard from Nana, Darby grabs it from the, from the ring and out of nowhere, like literally out of nowhere, Swerve comes and nails him. And this was so well shot because you had no idea where this guy was coming from. And Darby is laid out on the edge and it sets up the GTH onto Darby and Guevara pins him in 12 minutes and 55 seconds. So the reveal of Swerve, this was a 10 out of 10. The reveal for Pack later, <laughs> the opposite, where they 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 had him on camera before the attack was made, and like everyone saw him ahead of time. But th- this one was very well done. Mm-hmm. I thought this match was really good. Um, you know, there's a lot to talk about the pillars, but when we're talking about basically talent that's on the cusp of like main event stardom, I mean, it's these four right here that I think are like pretty much you know head of the pack, and you can make the argument at this point that Cassidy and Garcia are both more complete and more advanced as wrestlers than even Jack Perry at this point. Um, and I, 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 I think it's completely fair. You know, all four of these guys have solid personalities. I think they're solid promos, all of them. And in ring, they're all fantastic. This is a great showcase of their speed. Can someone Techn- lose his pillar status? Could that be a stipulation? <laughs> I don't know. I feel like, like once you're a pillar, like it's something you're set with and everybody else can just like, you know, get, get mad at you for, being named like being nominated to the supreme court well like you know the three sure exactly you know it's like the three musketeers in new japan like once you're a musketeer you're a musketeer forever aren't you you don't lose musketeer status yeah it's like uh it's it's part of your your dna um yeah it, it, it was a good match and um yeah it was the elimination of cassidy and darby so that ends that and Afterwards, Guevara checks on Darby and Garcia's on the floor. He doesn't care. And Guevara shakes hands with Darby, but then does leave with Garcia and uh, they will be in Boston next week. Mm-hmm. We go to, in, it, this was so great. This second Nick Wayne video. And we go back to where, like, we have photos and footage, footage of him at like six months old, rolling around, crawling in the ring. And he talks about how in this. Are you honestly that surprised, John, especially these days? You know, people record everything and they put it up on the Internet, especially of their children. So I I know. And this is like we're talking about 2005, 2006, when he was like six months old. They had cell phones back then, didn't they? They had plenty at this time. I mean, maybe this was on an iPod video. Did those have cameras? I mean, you could put footage on them. Sure. Yeah, maybe. Anyway, so he's, he talks about how his mother brought him into this very room and 
informed him of his father dying and he burst into tears. He felt lost. They showed this shot of this like note written by his father that read, you're the best son I could ever ask for. And Nick Wayne made the decision that he wanted to continue his father's legacy and he is ready for the pressure of going to AEW. This was so incredible. Like this is like one of the best jobs AEW has ever done of introducing a new performer. Like I, I would say maybe like the best introduction of someone who's not coming in as a surprise, doesn't have a national name. Like this is how, what percentage of this audience has probably never seen a Nick Wayne match before tonight? Probably yeah. I would say at least 80%. So let me, let me ask you, I agree with you, John. What's number two. Okay. When has AEW put any sort of effort into this sort of pre-production for announcing a guy completely cold for national TV? Uh, Vikingo. <laughs> I don't know. It's hard for me. Like, I'm sure they have somebody, you know, Brian in the chat's going to say like, Oh, th- this guy. And I, I'm sure that they have been, but it's incredibly rare for AEW to utilize this sort of like pre-production element to introduce somebody to a new audience. And I was really pleased to see this this week as well as what we saw last week because it shows you that when they want to, they can. They can completely tell you who a person is, what they sound like, what they look like, what they're fighting for. You know, uh, in, in the span of like, you know, how much time did we get here? Like 10 minutes through the Darby video and this this Nick Wayne video. And already I was so invested. I'd in say half that way. Like these videos were like two minutes each, like last week and this week. Like, yeah, it was pretty much under five minutes of videos. And I guarantee you, you watch these two videos, you're intrigued to see this performer. I just hope, hope, hope this is the exact template that they follow for any serious prospect that they have to introduce in the future, you know, like some, and it tells you who they're actually serious about because, you know, there are a ton of guys on this roster that could have used this treatment that never had it. We go to Renee and she's supposed to interview Adam Cole, who's on the phone explaining to Britt what she has just seen. So I'm trying, I'm trying to figure out all of this. Like she, she was watching this from home. Right. Which happened over the weekend. <laughs> and well, Cole, well, it didn't air like until now. So, and Cole had no belief that like, yeah, Brit, Brit will totally understand this when she sees. This. Well, what did Cole do wrong? I mean, really? Cole really did nothing. I mean, if anything, like, what was he supposed to do in that situation? He didn't make the suggestion. MJF did, but maybe she doesn't want him hanging out with MJF because this guy's sure. going to lead him astray. They're baby faces now. Uh, for now, yes. So he then apologizes to Renee and then in walks Roderick Strong in his neck brace. I, I hope this is like Bob Orton Jr. And he has his neck brace for years. You think he wrestled? wrestled yes. In the neck brace? Yes. He comes back with the brace on. <laughs> is it a weaponized like bionic steel neck brace? You know, these are going to be the video packages for Roderick Strong. How Ooh. like his origin <laughs> story of how he gets his, his superpower. He said he. He's like, what's, what's going on here, Adam? And Cole says that MJF isn't a half bad guy. You need to trust him. And then he laughs at a text that MJF sends him, but then he re- keeps reading the text and MJF says, I just saw Brian Cage. I think I've got the flu. And Cole is freaking out that he's going to lose his partner minutes before this match. So we go to Brian Cage and Big Bill taking on MJF and Adam Cole. So Cole is out there with MJF and getting reassured he's in the match. MJF's. Like he totally steals the scene during Cole's music here. He comes out before the boom spot. He's 
doing the full on like Nakamura bit and then uh coming in for the uh the Adam Cole Bebe spot and it's it's a great entrance that they have concocted here. Bill is a Bill has a sucker in his mouth and there's a loud MJF chant uh which was interesting and Cole reveals he is wearing the team shirt mm-hmm. which is available uh to buy. So MJF calls for a body slam on Big Bill. And this is what the whole match would be built around. MJF wanting to body slam Big Bill. And that and the, uh, and the double close and the double clothesline spot. And they were going to give you one and keep you waiting for the other. So he can't body slam Bill and the crowd is sad. Then MJF goes to leave and Cole talks him back in. We go through the crowd uh, or go through the break and there are two attempts at the body slam that MJF cannot execute. And then finally, Bill wipes his ass with MJF's shirt. And this was very, um, this might have been more offensive to these Canadians than Will Ospreay using the flag a few weeks ago. Uh, possibly. It was cer- certainly to Adam Cole. He looked pissed off about this. Yeah. I had an unfortunate spelling mistake here. I wrote, Bill wipes his ass with MJF's shit. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been oh great. That's. <laughs> TNT ain't ready for that or TBS. <laughs> so MJF then bites his thumb and leads to the body slam. And dude, this place went insane for this body slam. Like th- this was, this is everything I love about pro wrestling is just mm-hmm. making people want something. So when they get it, they lose their minds. And it was a body slam. Like yeah. I, I thought this was great. Oh, it and- wouldn't, it would, I don't think it would have been like, imagine if it was like, I don't know, like a, tightrope walk shooting star press <laughs> i don't think it would have been as effective it's tiger driver 91 <laughs> <laughs> yes and he finally hits it so mjf makes his way tags cole and after mjf delivers a thumb to the eye of cage adam cole does the same so he's engaging in the heel tactics here and then they call for the double clothesline and this crowd dude they were ready to lose their minds uh, if they hit this and the crowd is chanting double clothesline, but cage holds on to the rope and bill drops both of them with his own clothesline. And they stop the double choke slam, super kick, big bill. And then cage lifts up both for the Samoan drop fallaway slam. That always looks terrible for the guy taking like the Samoan drop portion because he just gets crushed. And this was Cole taking that portion of it. Mm-hmm. Heat seekers hit the cage and sets up the boom and they pin uh, Cole, uh, sorry, Cole pins, uh, it was Cage in 10 minutes and 14 seconds as MJF runs and hugs his partner and they will face Guevara and Garcia next week in the final. But a really fun match and this crowd loved it. Yeah, I thought this match was great. You know, it's fun anytime we get to see MJF play a babyface because they're basically parodies of like classic 80s babyface matches and you know still with mjf sort of like heel tactics adapted as babyface offense thrown in there um and they're completely effective it shows you how much this guy understands psychology when it comes to you know especially old school babyface stuff um i loved adam cole in this like basically slowly falling in love with mjf succumbing to his charms utilizing the same heel tactics that you know are in his nature so he's realizing that hey like i why why shouldn't i get along with this guy we're exactly the same person it looks like he's having the time of his life and great setup for the body slam and great continued teasing of that double clothesline which will probably win them the tournament it'll be a great spot for for next week i i agree like they should win this tournament and take this to then and listen it's not going to be garcia and sammy it shouldn't be certainly 
unless there would be a storyline reason, like you do the angle with MJF and Cole next week, but I don't think that's the time to do it. I think they win the titles. I will say though, it, like it was evident here at the beginning, like the more of this story, like it is going to put MJF as the baby face here that the audience I feel is going to side with. And I think hmm. that you're going to have the same issue you had last year where it was, do we go with MJF as the baby face? And I think you're going to have that decision again this time around that who do you feel the audience would get behind more MJF or Adam Cole? I still believe it will be MJF. I don't think I don't think you risk the same thing with Adam Cole because I think the audience genuinely likes Adam Cole, and I think it's all dependent on how they do the, execute the turn and how they tell the story afterwards too. I'm sure they will give you p- plenty of reason to want to cheer M- or sorry, want to cheer Adam Cole over MJF. They plug the shirt. They state the double clothesline is coming, and the crowd chants it again. Cole says he never thought this team would work, but. Why stop with just winning the tournament? We're going for the tag titles, and if we stay on the same page, we will win them. And they just show Roderick Strong watching in the back, and he's not looking happy about this development. If if Cole and MJF, like if all we got saw of Cole and MJF on this show was maybe that those vignettes, I feel like um, I personally, and I'm sure you too, John, would have been a lot more negative on on the on the state of this program. But because you know, ultimately, what matters, especially in AEW, is what's in ring, and what in what is in ring here is so fun through the setup of that backstage vignette. I mean, I thought everything was great about it. You know, uh, we all know the turn is coming. We all know the des- destination, but the ride is so entertaining that we're all happy to play along and believe that these two could actually genuinely be friends. And we're, we're all going to play shocked when the turn comes. It's the same dynamic as we had with Jericho and Owens, Jericho and MJF, you know, it, as long as it's fun and enjoyable, it's all that matters. Renee is outside of, uh, is with, Jake Hager outside of Jericho's locker room and Hager walks in and asks Jericho if he's actually considering joining Callus. And Chris says he doesn't know. Don made a lot of good points. There's a lot of history there. I just need some time. And Hager takes off the hat and this crowd is stunned and reminds Jericho that I saved your life in Abu Dhabi 10 years ago. I left an undefeated MMA career for you. Like Jake, I think you're doing much better doing this than doing Bellator three times a year. I would think. And my career is on the line too. And if you can't be straight with me, I can't give you a hundred. So he hands over the hat. And this was, uh, besides delay, this was, uh, the biggest material handover we got this week. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, we all know he loves this hat. We know how much this means to him. So this, this was arguably just as meaningful as, you know, Roman's lay being given here. I enjoyed this. You know, there was like, if there was one ride or die member of the Jericho Appreciation Society, it would have been Jake Haker. This is a guy who followed Jericho first from the inner circle over to this. He, all he needs is Jericho and his hat. And, you know, he's already given up the hat. It tells you how serious this is. Um, <laughs> a rare serious promo from Jake Hager. I thought it was great use of him. Yeah. Is everyone now questioning, like, what's going through Anna Jay's mind about this development? We haven't heard from her. I mean, I think she's gone. I don't yeah, she's, she's just moved on. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> she just left quietly. Ruby Soho with the Outcast against Sky Blue in the Own Heart Cup. Blue gets thrown into the steps by the Outcast, so they're ejected. And then Soho puts on a single leg crab. Blue fights to the rope. And then Blue hits, like, it wasn't quite the tie KO because it it wasn't the knee strike, but it was similar, but like flipped her over onto her face and they instantly bring up the, the nose injury that 
Ruby Soho had from the tie KO. And Blue then is on the turnbuckle and gets stopped. And Ruby wrenches her off the, into the no future and hits it in midair, pinning her in eight minutes and 47 seconds. So she will face the winner of Willow and Athena, who are having their match probably just wrapped up on Rampage. And that will be taking place on Saturday. Mm-hmm. I thought the match was compelling overall with like a decently told D story. I thought, you know, blue, blue selling was pretty good. Um, it was good to see Ruby win on her own so that she gets some actual credibility heading into the final. I think she's been doing pretty well as a heel and heading into next week's final on collision. I would hope to hear her cut another big promo because I actually think that could be her biggest attribute as a heel that'll set her apart from the others. And then they, they recap collision and we got the world premiere of rap class featuring Harley Cameron. What did yes, you we think did. about? Yeah. The, well, you're not going to recap the, no, <laughs> no, I can't tell you what she said in this. I have my limits. Excalibur is the most I can do. Um, I thought this would be a lot more like comedic than it was. No, this felt like an audition. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, she, we know she's been doing like a lot of music, um, for a long time, like was doing stuff with like WWE or at least like WWE wrestlers. Um, she's actually really good. And this was, I would say better than any song I've actually heard from Max Caster. I think she's a better rapper than Max Caster, arguably too good for the, yeah. Well, what's the point then? Like, how is this, like, does this serve the story then? Exactly. Like I, I would argue that this was too good for the type of story that they were actually telling. You know, this this <laughs> did not embarrass her in any way. Like she was, it embarrassed the elite or sorry, uh, uh, the acclaim. So how's Caster going to come back here? Um. Well, um, these guys work cut out for him. Yes, he does. He might need a week or two to formulate a comeback. Swerve Strickland. Against Nick Wayne. They, this was the last match. It wasn't the main event segment, but this was the last match that they put on late in the show. And Darby hugs Nick Wayne on the way out and they showed his mother in the front row and the match begins and Nick Wayne leaps with this hurricane rana and then does a kip up, but turns his back to swerve. So swerve jumps him on the edge. Wayne hits a Rana, sending Swerve to the floor, and we go to picture-in-picture picture where Wayne is hit with a neckbreaker off the apron. And then inside, there's a springboard stunner that is blocked by Swerve. So Wayne turns it into an Asai DDT, getting a two-count. Swerve hits him with a pair of backbreakers, and Darby comes out rooting on Nick, who then stops Swerve with a poison Rana off the turnbuckle and follows it with the Wayne's World his version of the Oz cutter and a massive near fall. And this audience sounded just so loud for this near fall. Wayne tries for a super Frankensteiner and it's countered. He gets power bomb to the canvas is hit with a swerve kick for a two count. And then swerve snaps the shoulder and man, Wayne's selling here. He screamed like his arm was ripped off and he is hit with the JML driver in 10 minutes and 21 seconds. Darby runs in, checking on Nick Wayne as Swerve leaves with Prince Nana and has words for Nick Wayne's mom. Um, I thought that they did such a great job with Nick Wayne. I don't think the loss hurt him at all. I actually think, no. I feel that almost you, you give him the win. It's, it's almost as though like where you go next with him. Like this is he turns into be- action Andretti. I mean, eventually the guy's going to lose. He's 18. Everybody. He has plenty of time to get, get those big wins. He's not supposed to be Brock Lesnar. 
So I, I just thought they did such a fantastic job with Nick Wayne. I thought he looked really good in this match. I think that, you know, he's, he's 18 and he looks like he's 18. Like he is going to, you know, he is going to be matched here, like visually with guys that look like that are full grown adults uh, next to him. But I think that this guy is just like the sky's the limit for this guy. If he can, you know, keep everything together, he can stay healthy, injured. I I mean, that's that's going to be a key. Like, for somebody doing high, like he's been doing big matches for years at this point. And, yeah. um, there's going to be a huge expectation, especially in an AEW setting to stand out. And like you look like an, uh, at an action end ready, like that guy's great, but it's not enough that has separated him from the pack. So it's a, it's a very competitive roster to have that stand out, but he was given every tool in the world to get over, over these two weeks. Yeah, I'm really curious to know, like, what sort of his course is going to be, like, in these early years. I well, mean, so- I thought you meant school wise, because, <laughs> well, this is essentially school. Like, he's, he's going to be in school, like, for, for professional wrestling, like, a full time. And I mean, I think the big challenges he's going to have to face are not just, you know, being able to, like, uh, rival a lot of people on this roster at an advanced wrestling level, which we are already know he has. Obviously, it's the promo as well. The video package was great, but it didn't really give you much of a sense of what this guy's pro, pro wrestling promo sounds like. But it's also, like, being able to, like, manage life on the road, dealing with ma- with maturity, you know, and just dealing with growing up while, like, you're in a public spotlight. I, I, I mean, it, these are all sort of, like, maybe questions that you know, we can't necessarily answer just watching on, on TV, but I hope he, he, he passes those. He definitely, this was a great debut, you know, all things considered with like the, the video package and the match itself. He did enough to make an impression, had a lot of crowd support behind him chanting his name and they achieved it. This, this is awesome chance, chant. And it was also a chance for us to see his composer on a national stage on live tv and the guy did really well and of course you know having a veteran that he's wrestled uh, before in swerve is there's no better person you could you could probably ask for other than darby himself and that's a future match that i'm sure the uh we'll all anticipate in the future he was swerve was great here wayne sold that arm break fantastically so i'm I'm really excited to see how he develops imagine how how this guy's going to be what at 26 oh it's it's you know, again, if everything stays on track for him, I mean, it's, it's, it's a huge limit, but it's, it, listen, it's a ton of pressure on, on him to go from, you know, someone that was making a name for himself on the independence to now you're on national television. And like, let's be honest, like in this age where, I mean, people are vicious online. I mean, that's going to be an aspect that he is going to have to deal with as well. Like there is going to be a lot of, I can guarantee you that there will be the usual suspects that have their criticism of a guy that is 18 years old and guys are selling for him and all all of this stuff, all the criticism that you can imagine that that comes with such a larger platform that you're going to have. And it's uh, it's very different being an 18 year old versus a 32 year old dealing with that. Mm -hmm. Um, But anyway, um, and this to me, it, it certainly sets up like kind of Darby in like the sting role with Nick Wayne. Like that is going to be the enduring uh, story here is that Darby now has like, he's in the, the mentor role. I thought Darby was great in this match too. Just like, 
being on stage, not interfering because he wants, you know, his protege to, to handle things himself, even though he would have every reason to attack Swerve based off of what happened to him earlier tonight. Instead, Darby held back and let, let his student, like, basically, you know, fail on his own. But Darby's, the cutaways to Darby looking like basically like nervous. And dad the mom, too. Yeah, I would say Darby did an even better job than the mom. Like, mom did a very good job, but like, Darby felt very much to me like emotional dad at a soccer game, watching like, or hockey, you know, whatever sport you like, like watching his son like win a championship. Like, Darby's been great. Watch like throughout this entire thing. So, the rundown Rampage will have Athena and Willow, uh, Lance Archer against Trent, and they showed all this footage of Lance Archer, who's been a, He's been wrecking shop in everywhere but AEW. Uh, Takeshita will be in action. We'll hear from the Dark Order. We'll hear from Tony Storm. And naturally, Limitless, Dustin Rhodes and Keith Lee take on Matt Menard and Angelo Parker. The fact that they showed an actual video for Lance Archer, I mean, is it? are we supposed to believe that he might actually be getting a push in AEW? Well, I'll tell you. Um, it would be pretty disappointing if we're watching the G1 and this guy's just doing absolutely nothing. So hopefully he's got stuff yeah. going on. Yeah, right. Collision on Saturday. We've got Ruby Soho taking on the winner of Willow and Athena, FTR against Juice and White in a two out of three falls match, and CM Punk against Ricky Stark. So only three matches announced, but I'm thinking that two out of three falls match is getting at least 30. Like, it's got to go longer than last week's, don't you think? I, yeah, I guess so. Two out of three falls, you would think so. I, I think that one's going to go really long. Mm-hmm. And it might be a test to see, like, if we put out a 45-minute match, how would that do numbers-wise? And don't forget, we've got the most gangster presentation ever of the Owen Hart. Two of them. Yeah. Yeah. They'll probably present them at the same time. They might do the same. Yeah. Could you imagine? uh, Yeah. Who's going to be like the prom king and prom queen this year? Well, you could. You got the. um, I mean, realistically, who could it be? You know, maybe maybe Lars Fredrickson comes out and crowns Soho and CM Punk with uh, the Owen Hart hats. Sure. Yeah. And then Battle of the Belts, we're going in with one match. Luchasaurus and Sean Spears, Broadway. Dude, this Battle of the Belts is going to do terrible. Like, it's going to be people that fell asleep at the end of Collision that wake up and kept their TVs on. Like, I what's, just, what's going on? Did they just, like, not have a card booked? Are they waiting for Rampage to, to announce something? I'm like, sure they'll announce more on Rampage, but I just... like Why I not just, just do it for your biggest audience? You know, just give this thing a chance. I just don't... I don't know. I don't know. It's just the most throwaway show this this week. But people, I mean, they're they're banking on people just sticking around after. It's collision. it's almost you would be better served just to call it a three hour collision. I think that mm-hmm. would honestly draw better than than separating it with a battle of the belts. Um, yeah. Anyway, Don Callis is out for the final segment, and he announces that this fifth member is going to slaughter Kenny Omega because he deserves it. And then Omega interrupts, but then Moxley and Takeshita are out to attack Omega. When Pac arrives and he attacks Omega with a chair and it's a three-on-one attack, they hold down Omega as Don Callis kicks him and Pac gets on the microphone. How I've missed this guy talking. Kenneth, Kenneth, did you hear him? <laughs> yeah. And tells him, you shattered my nose bone. <laughs> it's like this guy, I want him on commentary every week. And he reveals he is the fifth member. I was like, oh, the surprise of it all. He confirms. And they put a chair around Omega's neck. And before they can snap his vertebrae, Omega says, go to the video. Go to the video. And the lights go out. 
and the video starts playing. Like, thank God that this guy had the, <laughs> the tech in his back pocket. Um, who didn't save him up until this point. He had to wait. It's like, come on, turn the lights off. No, Kenny hasn't called for the video yet. So let his neck snap. So the lights go out and the video plays revealing the fifth member will be Koda Abushi. Mm-hmm. Is killer Koda coming to Boston next week? And the lights come on, and now the Bucks and Hangman are out. It was like there, there was no concern for Omega. They knew he would have gotten himself out of that problem. And they run wild. There's a super kicks by the Bucks and a buckshot lariat, and Paige says that they will finish it once and for all. Omega says Callus will never win this battle, and that barbed wire and skewers to the head are nothing compared to what we will do to you. So get ready for next Wednesday. Oh, God. We're getting skewers? That, that's oh, amateur. No. Like, are skewers the new table of, like, you know, hardcore wrestling these days? Have skewers yeah. made their way from, like, I don't know, like, um, freedoms to national t- t- TBS? <laughs> Someone's bringing a chainsaw to Boston. God. So there you go. A, a pretty strong segment to go off the air with and, and getting your promos in. And the big announcement of Kota Bushi that they, they sort of led you in the direction of last week, but getting the confirmation. And Pac that I think was a, mm-hmm. you know, I'm sure if you were, like, going through roster members of potentials like he would come up but i think was a surprise yeah yeah i think a decent surprise and a decent substitute for brian danielson you know um storyline wise yeah like having you're you're getting kota bushi and pack added on like that's it that's pretty top of the food chain when it comes to who you can have at your disposal which again is just a ridiculous amount of access that they have to to talent like like look at the lineup of these 10 in this Mm -hmm. match this is incredible I, yeah. And this is the only they've announced two matches for Dynamite next week. I'm thinking this one probably one hour. I could see it going. Yeah. Like this will be yeah. the big, long, lengthy match next week. I, 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 I would love to see that. I mean, have prior uh, Blood and Guts matches been that long? Last Feels like it, it could have been. The first one was around 45, I want to say. And you well, with entrances like. One. Yeah. With entrances, you're, you're going to fill a whole hour. Oh, so yeah. Like, when you include entrances like this will probably be close to an yeah. hour yeah I, I i like pack as a substitute you know i think like stylistically he fits in really well with the bcc's level of aggression and i think even their promos would sound great together even though we're not going to get that much time to hear him promo with the group but um i like that addition but listen this whole segment is really going to hinge on whether or not the surprise of the elite fifth member was going to be satisfying and people were not going to be satisfied but anything with anything but kota abushi um and they delivered it. You know, it's um, it, it's huge, I think. You know, we haven't seen Kenny and Ibushi together in a long, long time. And that alone, I think, is, you know, wonderful um, news to celebrate. Now, we haven't really seen a whole lot of Kota Ibushi recently. We only saw him in those two GCW matches. One of them was a Bloodsport match. He looked like Kota Ibushi, especially in that speedball match, you know, taking a lot of risk in, in those matches. But um, in a Blood and Guts match, he's going to be sort of like, you know, in a way hidden. Like he probably will be one of the last tags and then he'll come in, work some matches. I don't know if it, like I expect him to do a whole lot of like hardcore stuff, but why not? This no, is he'll do some crazy stuff in this match, True. I think. Which is, his- you know, at this point, like, like I've just, I've seen from Kota Ibushi, like, you know, with that, that shoulder injury and even in those GCW matches like this is a guy that's like he's put himself through the ringer he's 41 now he might not look it um 
but I do feel th- those miles are adding up on him. And mm-hmm. it's um, a layoff too, you know, that, that, that's another it. thing. And that's, you know, you would think it's like, oh, he's had all this time to recuperate, but many performers, they will talk about the fact that it's much tougher to get up when you have that long layoff. And this is going to be a very ambitious match, I feel. for, And very I think he's so. going to want to stand out in it too. So, I mean, there's a lot of intrigue and of course, uh, beyond that of, uh, other plans that you can do uh, with Abushi, but it should be a very big show next week in Boston. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Blood and guts is usually, you know, um, a, a, you know, cause for uh, just like spectacle and, and and reasons to tune in. So we'll see how it does in the ratings. All right, let's uh, move on to forum postwrestling.com you can also throw in any super chats if you've got them we have a, a bunch well, let's of move on there. to super chats first if, if that's okay john let's do it let's go to super chats and this one comes to us from the cat who sends five dollars thank you cat cat says rush rush confirmed that he will be a triple mania again the triple a fans have their main event once again yes that's on saturday night so he what's is not the quit. what's the main event well, the main event is actually the Kingo and, uh, and Kenny Omega, but, uh, Roosh is in the, uh, it's, it's the, uh, the mask hair tournament. So where the losers advance. I so see. this was pretty imperative that they, um, settle their issues with Roosh, who was not going to do this show and, and now is back. And it was, you know, one of the prominent matches on the show in, uh, Tijuana. Who's he facing for? It's, it's, uh, it, it's the team. Oh, the teams. Okay. Yes. Gotcha. Is he, so you think he's going to lose his hair? No, no, I definitely don't. I think Sam Adonis is probably your, your likely, uh, contender to be, uh, eventually losing his hair. All right. Well, wouldn't that be something like, you know, like organizes a dispute, like settles a dispute and offers his hair at the same time? Um, yeah, you could. Um, it's not going to happen. Uh, okay. Thank you very much for that, cat. Jake says, Thank you for the support, Jake. Sends five dollars to say Saskatoon sure went on fire when MJF did the slam. Probably the first this arena has done so since Brett won the WWF title from Flair in '92. Um, yeah, and this one aired on television, so the world. I'm got sure to- that people in this arena have cheered for something in, in since 1992. Maybe I mean, it's, wrestling it's not like this is out in the you know the, the <laughs> nothing happens in Saskatoon. It's like uh, I'm sure some the moose uh, Saskatoon uh, hockey in uh, KCHL hockey team you know would have elicited a good reaction at some point. So, do you know the CHL hockey team? No. Okay. <laughs> you referenced it, not me. So uh, I don't either. You, I don't either. Some I'm, I'm trying to, you know, do some Saskatoon trivia here. Okay. Saskatoon. You look that up. Let's go on over. Um, Benjamin writes the MGF and Cole versus Big Bill Brian Cage match. The blades. The blades. Yeah. Creative. Uh, it was so bloody entertaining getting a double clothesline chant to happen and the stereo Mike's promo. Loved it. When that clothesline happens, it's going to get a massive pop. Yes, it will. And, and, you know, just in case we were wondering that, like, is the double clothesline going to be something like just code word for something completely spectacular, like a springboard shooting star double clothesline? No, it's, it's the two of them holding their hands together <laughs> and having a, an opponent Irish whip run, run into them. So <laughs> it's the best. Okay. We go to Damien from Winstead, Connecticut, who says AEW seems to be slowing their shows down and pacing things much better with Collision. And I, for one, am, am appreciating it. Tonight's show overall was fantastic. The way they built up Nick Wayne's story the last two weeks was really well done, and I hope they continue to do similar vignettes. It would be nice to see Jordan Oliver come in with him as well. 
MJF and Adam Cole are so entertaining. I wish it wasn't building to, up to them turning on each other. It's so over the top and fake, but you can't help but smile at the promos, matches, and vignettes. However, the Ibushi reveal felt flat tonight with how it was executed. I wish he was actually there tonight, not just a video of, of him coming. Plus, why did Pac just stand there on the top rope? All he had to do was jump down and land, he lands on Kenny. Oh, the lights well. went out. I mean, um, that's, that's just, he's just of coming like, back from injury. He's going to jump in the dark and hope he hits the target. That's it. Yeah. He says, Oh, well, like I always tell my friends, if you think about watching wrestling too, if, if you, if you think about wrestling too hard, it doesn't make sense. If you don't think of enough, it doesn't make sense. Yes. Overall, a fun episode, but as a wrestling fan, there's always something to nitpick. Oh, we've made careers out of it. So yes, we know that. Um, I, I don't think you needed the appearance. I mean, that's part of, to, to me, the, the attraction of, of next week is you, you get, uh, Abushi as much mm-hmm. as I'm, I'm sure he would have loved to have like, can you fly to Saskatoon to walk out for the final <laughs> minute of dynamite? Uh, from Muggin, there was quite a bit to like this week. The cool MGF odd couple story took a interesting turn as they are surprisingly getting along. Typically it would end with the heel outsmarting the baby face. I hope it's the opposite. I'm glad, I'm beyond glad that JAS is finally on its way out. And the blood and guts announcement surprised me. I figured Jericho would take up Callus on his offer, but instead Pac makes a lot more sense with his history with Omega and to the surprise of no one, Kota Bushi is on his way to Boston. Seems like they're letting, you know, the Jericho thing simmer probably a little bit longer before we finally get a result. I mean, next week, like Garcia and, and Sammy are, are in the finals. So I, I imagine that has to settle first before something like this happens, I guess. Uh, Commissioner Al says, extremely fun show tonight. My only gripe is with Swerve, Wayne, Darby, and even Aubrey all involved in the final match. I wish this show was closer to the Pacific Northwest for the Defy fans to make the trip, but I'm just excited for the, the, the return of that black-haired man, Daniel Ricardo. Could he be the fi- He was not the fifth member of any. I mean, maybe he was up until, you know, he was uh, needed elsewhere. Yeah, but he could be the second member of Red Bull before the uh, sometime next year. What do you think of that, Daniel Ricardo's return to Al- uh F1 with Alpha Tori. Um, sure. It's, it's great. He's going to be a, um, middle of the road driver. So, I mean, I mean, there's stakes involved here. If he does well for Alpha Tori and Perez continues to slide, then he'll probably get the seat. So yeah, it's his he audition. Could. He could. That's, um, the only drama we're getting with Red Bull at this point. Anything outside of Max Verstappen, like dominating has actually been really great. McLaren had like an incredible weekend and they're starting suddenly like in contention for second place. So drive to survive is going to just pretty much be like, you know, I think next year he should have to sit out the first half of the season and he comes back and see if he can win at that. We're at that point. Yeah. Where we have to impose those handicaps. Kate writes, I felt like this was a particularly strong show in terms of the way it built up some stories. Swerve going over Wayne was the right call because it gives him something to go back to while it achieved its goal of making the youngster feel like a big deal. Pack is a great addition to the BCC team, and I actually hope he sticks with them. I feel like he blends well with the general vibe. For a second, I thought they were going to debut Kota Ibushi in Saskatoon, which would have been something for the ages. But I understand the decision to get the big pop in Boston. Either that or it was too much to secure both American and Canadian work visas, in which case the Paris of the Prairies was robbed. Do you think it's worth delaying the inevitable MJF Cole feud for another pay-per-view cycle to keep the team together, maybe even put the titles on them for a spell? So I guess if the idea would be they win the tag titles is all in too close, that would be roughly a month after Hartford. Uh, um, 
Maybe they don't win then, you know, maybe just a failed attempt. Like I, I would hate for the tag team titles to just feel like a prop in a singles story. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't think AEW has like done that. So I'm guessing they don't win. Um, and, and in that case, a failed attempt is all you need. Yeah. I think you, I think that ultimately is kind of where the story is going and where, um, it leads to the tag match and, if they come up short or there's your miscommunication and then it's like the audience is waiting for who is going to turn on the other. And I think the, the idea is to get you as far removed from that to see these guys gelling so well um, that like the other person here said in the feedback, they don't want to see them break up so that it really does have an emotional weight to it when it happens mm-hmm. from either guy um, at this point. And I think if you do it in such a way, you could have tremendous sympathy on whoever it is that, gets attacked i think the answer to this question is where is this match going to take place the singles match i guess you just have to look at if it's not all in what would these two be doing on that card otherwise could it be the spot for the tag team title match or is that too late Mm. oh for the to challenge or to challenge they've already stated that would be in hartford Oh, okay. I'm sorry. So, yeah. so they're, they, they, they can presumably win the, the, they can the win the tag titles on in Hartford, which is at the end of the month. Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, yeah. You're up. Uh, okay. Who's next here? Uh, Zoot. Zubin made made sure to um correct my pronunciation. I'm so sorry. I hope I got it right this time. Zubin smokes Cubans. So I think I did. Right. Coda is coming. I'm beyond excited. Funny timing that I created the Golden Lovers in Fight Forever last night. Anyway, Saskatoon was fire tonight. They contributed a great deal to what would have already been a great show on the strength of the content alone. I absolutely loved the Better Than You Bebe match. Building to the Body Slam spot was brilliant in its simplicity. I was a little disappointed in the match for failing to for the falling for the push-up spot with Big Bill, but I was ass- assuaged by the possibility of it being him satirizing babyface culpability. As always, thanks for the great coverage. Thank you, Zubin. All right. And uh, Roman writes, very entertaining show tonight. The MJF Cole pair is even better than I expected. And I'm really excited. Blood and Guts. I'm excited for Blood and Guts next week. Being from the Pacific North- Northwest, it was awesome seeing Swerve, Nick Wayne, and Aubrey in a ring together. Yeah, that seemed to be, uh, for, for a show that you look at this lineup, um, it had, I would say, my, that was the major takeaway tonight. Like, yes, you got the announcement of Abushi and these other stories that are moving forward. But, like, Nick Wayne was like one of the key stories coming out of tonight. And I think that's, that's all you could ask for. And there will come a time like Kate alluded to when he beats swerve, that it will be a big deal. And you can always mm-hmm. go back to this. So I, again, I, I just think they did such a great job with Nick Wayne tonight. Fantastic job. Yeah. It just, just maybe on a side note, but it really does feel like the five, like over the past, maybe two years has like really felt like it's taken a step up from just maybe regionalized indie to like something approaching the level of like a national indie that like, you know, their titles are recognized like elsewhere, like they appear like uh, on new Japan now, like Kenta Kenta is like, you know, um, and they, they, they get brought up all the time everywhere. So it it really, there may be like, I don't know, like how do, how do people watch their shows? 
Defy, they, their their shows are available to to stream, like all their right. all their major shows and such. Yeah, I I think they do a really great job in a part of the country that's you know supports them in you know significant numbers. Like I've watched enough of their their stuff. Like those crowds are awesome at, at those shows. Like it seems like Washington Hall would be a fantastic place to watch a show for s- some of these events. And when you see somebody like a like it's cool when your big national stars come. But it's a different level when you have someone that you've watched come up in your system and now he's going out to the national scene. And I think, yeah. you know, it just creates, um, you know, such a big buzz for him and for the company by extension, like you mentioned. I wonder how old Nick Quinn would have been when he showed up to his first Defy show. Well, you know what? Um, somewhere he was uh, he was crawling in that that ring. And thinking to himself, you know what, Julia Hart's already three years old right now, so I need to catch up already because I think, yeah, that we might be moving away from Julia Hart. Now we have the Nick Wayne meter. I, yeah, I think we have a new bar for um, the basically aging everything. Yeah, a new measurement of time, the there Nick Wayne go. meter. All right, we're gonna wrap things up because we got another show coming up. So go join us. At postwrestlingcafe.com, we are going to be chatting about the tragic fall of Adrian Adonis in just a couple of minutes. And then we are back, uh, Thurston and Pollock, on Thursday at 3 Eastern. Way and I will be back Friday night with Rewind to SmackDown. So plenty of shows to check out. Thanks to everyone for joining us live. And we'll hey, speak with you. And it's the, the start of, and it's the start of the G1 this weekend, everybody. So go sign up to the Post Wrestling Cafe. You get all those shows plus MCU later coming out tomorrow as well with WH and Rich Fan. And, one more thing. If you're a double double or espresso patron, uh, we are starting a new thing this week. Started on Monday for those of you who stayed till the very end, but we are putting out a video credit roll for all of us, uh, watching these podcasts on video where we'll be, uh, thanking you guys for your support at the double double and espresso patron level. So, uh, just a big thank you to all of you guys and, uh, stay tuned for those of you watching to recognize some of the people that help make all of this possible. So thank you guys and. See you on the double shot. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Hero.co.